This is It Problematics episode 100. You got me here, so now it's time to celebrate you and answer some of your questions about how we got here, where we're going, and if being problematic just may help save America. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Well, 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 Problematics, here we are. We are in episode, this is episode 100 of Rob Smith is Problematic. That means we have done 100 episodes, which is a huge milestone. And I'm actually live streaming on my Facebook page right now, Facebook at Rob Smith Online, if you guys do not follow me there. But I'm going to answer some questions from you guys. That's what I wanted to do with this episode. Look, there's political stuff that we could be talking about. And, and you know, and it's interesting. But look, I wanted to use this 100th episode to really celebrate the problematics, talk about this community that we're building, and talk about, you know, the origins of, of this show. So the origins of Rob Smith is problematic. I have had the idea for... Um, this podcast for a couple of years. So we launched in um, August of 2020. And it's so funny because in the summer of 2020 is exactly when all of the BLM riots and all of that stuff happened. And so that was when I saw my sort of um, following kind of explode because there was so much going on that summer. And it was such an interesting time to launch a new podcast to really get into something new. So I'd had the um, idea for Rob Smith is Problematic for some time. And I did not know the podcasting world is a little bit difficult. So um, I didn't really know much about podcasting. I didn't really know much about the space. And I didn't really know if I wanted to do, to go completely independent with this. Um, an independent podcast is really hard. So what happened was I linked up with Gingrich 360 with um, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, and with the um, woman who runs his whole thing. And I pitched this idea for Rob Smith is problematic. And I said, look, I'm obviously conservative leaning. I'm obviously, you know, voting Republican this year. I voted the first time Republican ever in my life for Donald Trump in 2020. And I know that this is a bit of a long shot, but in the pitch video, and this is what I said, I think that there are a lot of people out there that do think like me. I'm a very non-traditional Republican. I'm a black gay dude that used to be a liberal um, for well over a decade. And I told them when I pitched them and when I sent the video and when I talked to the iHeart people and the Gingrich 360 people, I said that there is a real big opportunity here to speak to some people that aren't being spoken to. And I think that I can reach an audience that isn't just your typical, um, you know, conservative audience, right? Because we all know who the superstars are in the conservative world. And we all know that their ideas on things are, are, are very rigid and that they're not going to change and that they look at life a different way than I do, right? So I thought that there was an opportunity um, to kind of speak to and reach people that were not necessarily being reached by that crowd. And so this is what I said. Um, I said, I'm going to do this. I said, I'm going to say exactly what I think, exactly what I'm going to feel. And I think that we will find an audience because I think that a lot of people feel the way I feel. A lot of people feel, um, and this is what I call it, I call it problematic. People, when you do not cow to, when you do not um, fit into these very rigid sort of politically binary boxes, 
of what everybody is told to be right now, it becomes problematic. Now, the definition of problematic is presenting a problem or difficulty. And when I pitch this and what I always say is that I personally present a problem or a difficulty to the left because I'm this black gay guy that completely rejects their idea of identity politics and completely rejects the idea that just because I am black and just because I am gay means that I'm supposed to be a liberal and I'm supposed to be a leftist. And what we have seen more and more, particularly um, the deeper we get into this Biden administration, is I have seen so many more non-traditional conservatives really speak up and, and start standing up and speaking out like this. And it's really um, inspiring to see people that were inspired by me that are non-traditional conservatives start their own podcasts and, and create their own movements and sort of start standing up um, for what they believe in. And so I thought that there was a really big audience out there for that. And it turns out that I was right. Now, look, if I'm going to – I can't pat myself on the back because this isn't just me. This is you guys. But, you know, we got about 100,000 uh, – uh, downloads a month, right? So either 100,000 listens um, or downloads a month to the podcast. <clears throat> we just got renewed. Obviously, we're in the middle of our second season right now. We just got renewed. And here's the thing. That's what a lot of people don't, uh, don't get about podcasts. Um, my deal was only for a year. If you guys didn't respond or if I was wrong about this or if the conservative audience or even an independent or libertarian-leaning audience was not here for all of this, um, it would have failed and <laughs> I would have just gotten canceled, um, right? So we are here. And look, <clears throat> this is how I explained um, how I explain what it means to be problematic, is that we are neither left nor right, Democrat nor Republican. We're not partisan hacks. We seem to be the only sane people in a world that gets less and less sane every day. We can respect and admire the police while knowing exactly why many African Americans have serious issues with the criminal justice system. We can love America while still acknowledging our complicated history. We can have empathy for the poor and working class while realizing that excessive government spending isn't lifting anyone out of poverty. We know that men are not women and that women are not men, but that we can respect the choices of all without being bullied into submission and having our language changed and controlled. We know that Kamala Harris is an objectively awful vice president, and the fact that she's a black woman is irrelevant to her absolute failures at the job. We can honestly say that Joe Biden was likely duly elected president of the United States while calling out very real issues with the electoral procedures of our country right now. And so what being problematic is, is questioning every single thing that is going on right now. Whether you are right or whether you're left, I call out the right constantly. Um, and I question exactly um, the kind of values that are coming to us from the right about as much as I call out the left. It just so happens that the left is just so insane right now. As somebody that is coming from this from a common sense standpoint, there is so much more to call out on the left right now. And what I love the most about the problematic community, about my problematics, is that when I when I get to see you guys, I call it out, out there in the wild. I call them problematics in the wild. So um, last week, I was at a couple of events at Mar-a-Lago. I was at an event 
um, raising money for Turning Point USA, which is an organization that I'm a contributor with. Um, and I also was at a campaign event for my friend, Ana Paulina Luna, who is running for Congress as the um, as a Republican in Florida District 13. So I was at uh, Mar-a-Lago basically, you know, two, twice in five days, which is actually kind of mind blowing. I'm still kind of like coming down from all the travel of the past couple of days. But I walk up and and I'll kind of just be here. I'll be sipping on my red wine or or maybe sipping on some club soda or something like that. And people will come up to me now. I am um, I'm realizing that when you have the platform on uh, Fox News, that a lot of people are going to know you from that. And so the Fox News thing, I I get. I get when people come up and see me on Fox News that I'm used to. But I'm still you know still getting used to when people come up and they say. I'm a problematic. And, you know, oh, Rob Smith is problematic. Like, I listen to the podcast. That, to me, is crazy. Because when I do the podcast and when I do problematic, it's literally like I'm just speaking to my friends, <laughs> you know? Um, it, it really does seem like I'm just speaking to my friends. And one of the best sort of – one of the best um, pieces of advice that I got when I was – making my way into the media world and when I started doing TV and all of this stuff is um somebody that was a manager at the time or somebody that was um that was overseeing some content that I was producing for a company um basically said this he said when you are on camera when you are on the radio when you're wherever you're not hosting you're not the anchor you're not projecting you're not doing any of these things you are speaking to your best friend and that is how I go about, you know, this whole thing. This whole thing is I go about this with my problematics and with Rob Smith's problematic, like I am speaking to my best friend because you guys are my friends as as the queen of radio, Wendy Williams says, you guys are my friends in my head. I talk to you um, via this podcast, just like I talk to you in person, just like I talk to you guys um, in my commentary. It's really just real talk. And it's common sense. And there is a dearth of both going on in America right now. And to wrap up this segment, I just got to say problematic that I thank you for supporting me up and through 100 episodes and who knows how many hundreds more um, and continuing to um, follow me on Facebook and, and to retweet the stuff and to listen to this podcast and to come up to me um, when I'm in the airports or or when I'm, you know, uh, scooting around my city in Florida that I live in or if I'm at these events and say, I'm a problematic too. Um, I love being problematic and, you know, just keep on being problematic. So coming up next after the break, I am going to answer some of your questions. So I'll see you on the other side. All right, Problematics, this is Rob. I am back. We are celebrating episode 100 of Rob Smith is Problematic, and this is just all about the Problematic family today. We will get back to Joe Biden destroying America, Kamala Harris failing, infighting with the left, and the crime wave that is massively affecting uh, this country all over. We'll get back to that stuff next episode. But now, uh, we're going to do a little Q&A. All right, so... Sarah Coulter on the Facebook fam, Sarah asked me, 
Will you tell us what you have coming next year? Any thoughts? Um, any thoughts about what you have coming next year? Okay, problematic. So I will tell you this, and this is um, this is something that I will tell you guys. I will not reveal the title, but I do have I do have three major projects coming up next year that I'm very excited about. Um, the first of which you will find out within the next couple of months. Um, I'm launching an organization that. You know, if you guys know anything about me or if you've read any of my stuff or or if you know what kind of drives me and what I'm passionate about, um, I'm very, very much passionate about getting a message of conservatism and a message of just different types of ideas out to the black community, out to the African-American community. Um, and this is for multiple different reasons. First of all, I know what it is like to be black and have leftism and Democrat stuff just thrown at you from every conceivable angle. And I don't think that people really realize that when you are black and in this country, you have leftism and Democrat policies thrown at you via your entertainment, via your entertainers, via all of you know your cultural icons um, in the black community. You have it via music. You have it via the websites we go to. You have it via um, the the news people that we watch. You know, so all of that stuff um, just exists to throw leftism out at African Americans. And so I'm building an organization that is going to launch in early 2022 that is going to be all about how to get the message of conservatism to an African-American community um, via uh, media, which is what I know. So I know media, I know building websites, I know content, I know all of that, all of that different stuff. And I'm very excited about this because we're what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to grab a lot of different black conservative voices because it's not just my voice. Um, it's not just black conservatism. Black conservatism is not just me. It's not just Candace Owens. It's not just Gianna Cobble on Fox News. It's not just Lawrence Jones on Fox News. It's not just. It is so many different voices. And the idea that I have, which is a great one that I'm going to launch here in a couple of months, is going to combine all of those voices and put them in a place uh, where people can go to and to get the broad spectrum of. Black conservatism and Black conservative voices. I am super excited about that. Second of all, I am going to be launching my next book in fall of next year. The title is Delicious. I'm working on it right now. Um, I will not tell you the title because I, I've kept the title very close to my my chest because it is so good. And once I announce the pub date, it'll be next fall. But once I go out for pre-order and once I kind of share um, the book cover with you guys and share the title, I want it to be like a seismic shock because the book title is so good. I'm very, very excited about that. And I'm just excited about getting my message out there just via a book and, and via the ability to be able to explore these ideas um, even more in depth because sometimes when you're doing the Fox News hits and and when you're doing the podcast and when you're doing all of that stuff, there really is nothing like writing a book, just sitting down and articulating your thoughts and getting them out there via words. Um, there's really nothing like it, and I'm very, very, very excited about getting this book out there letting you guys know what the title is, getting on the promotional trail about it, especially leading up into the midterms, um, I think is going to be a huge hit. 
And I really can't wait to get that out to you guys. The third big project that I have for next year is that I'm going to be launching a pack. And again, I will tell you the name of the pack when it comes out. But this pack that I'm launching is going to be all about promoting candidates and promoting causes all across the country that are about freedom. Because if we have seen anything that is going on right now over the past um, almost two years when it comes to COVID and the tyranny and all of that stuff, that a lot of the conversations that we are having right now are not about left versus right. They're not about conservative versus uh, liberal. This, this stuff is about freedom versus tyranny. So I've got a PAC coming, a PAC political action committee. I've got a PAC coming, and I'm very excited about um, getting a chance to to interact more in the political world on a deeper level than just being a commentator. I want to actually be able to support candidates. I want to have fundraisers for candidates. Um, I, I want to be able to support candidates that I believe in that are promoting and advocated advocating for causes I believe in. Now, this is going to be anywhere from Congress um, to city council to state house. Um, there's going to be people that I see out there, um, particularly in Florida, but this is going to be a nationwide pack, but particularly in Florida, um, that I want to I want to put some of um, that, you know, as the kids say, that clout behind. So I am very, very much interested in that. Okay, the Facebook fan Barry Anderson um, has a question. He says, Rob, do you think the two-party system has intimately failed the country, and do you think more parties need to start running for all offices, local, state, and federal, to help balance the system? That's a great question, um, and that is a, a threefold question, so let me get into that. Um, I absolutely really do think that the two-party system is, has failed the country, and I, I'm going to tell you guys something, and I am coming into this with... Um, a, a lot of insight into how this stuff works. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene gets a lot of crap from a lot of people. And honestly, Marjorie Taylor Greene really does say a lot of stupid stuff sometimes. Like, we're just going to keep it all the way real. But when she's right, she's right. And Marjorie Taylor Greene talks about, she has this concept of a uniparty. And what the uniparty means is that it doesn't matter if these people are Republicans or Democrats. These people are all playing the same game. And they're screwing over people like you and people like me. And when you see um, MTG talk, she really harps in on this a lot. And the deeper you get into to politics, you will see um, lots of people that are not really fighting for anything but their own money, first of all. Um, so these people are not these people are not fighting for anything but their own money. These people are um, rolling over. For the left, right? These people are rolling over for the left. They're pretending to fight. They're pretending to do this. Case in point, and this is just what I'm going to call it out. And I think I've made this comparison before. Matt Gates, who is on the right, and AOC, who is on the left, they both voted for one of those insane, massively voted, uh, massively bloated stimulus plans that came out in Congress. They both literally said the exact same thing on Twitter. Uh, I really don't want to vote for this, but you know I have to do what I have to do to get relief into the um, pocketbooks and the bank accounts of hardworking Americans. And this, as you know, is BS. It's total garbage. Um, the vast majority of Americans, most of us saw twelve hundred dollars from that stimulus package. That was nothing. That 
multi-trillion dollar stimulus package that was passed at the height of COVID was filled with billions of dollars of pork that benefited both the Republicans and the liberals that are playing around in the swamp that vote exactly how their leadership tells them to vote. Now, that is the absolute 100% idea of the Uniparty that um that MTG is putting out. So yes, I, I do think that the two-party system has failed us. And yes, we do need um more people that are outside of that system. Okay, whether you're you're a Republican or Democrat, we need more people that are outside of that system running for office. Because the swamp is gonna swamp, guys. I am telling you, those people are gonna do what they're gonna do. And the two-party system that is going on right now in this country, um, what we're seeing right now in terms of just the massive political realignment that has happened over the past couple of years, what we're seeing is this system really sort of falling apart and people starting to reject it. All right, next up after the bait problematics, I've got more of a Q&A with you on our Rob Smith is Problematic 100th episode problematics talk back i'll see you after the break all right problematics we are back finishing up our 100th episode spectacular i'm gonna i'm ask answering a couple of more questions from the problematic family on facebook right now if you do not follow me on facebook please do i'm at rob smith online i do videos um, share stories, do live streams, all of that other stuff. So let's make it happen. So Natalia Perez on Facebook asks me, can I name some of my favorite books? Um, I absolutely can. So I, one of the, I, I feel like one of the most important books I've ever read. It's something that I've read in the past year. And it's not even a long book. It is a book by Thomas Sowell. It's called Charter Schools and Their Enemies. And this book, I mean, the book is only 200 pages. This is not a long book at all. And this book blew my mind because, you know, problematics, when I'm doing Fox Hits and when we're doing this stuff, we talk a lot about the public educational system. I'm a public school kid myself. I, I have been in public schools. I was publicly educated um, up until I, I went to the university system. I went to a private undergrad. I went to uh, private for uh, my graduate degree as well. But we talk a lot about the public school education system. And I say all the time, like, get you, if you can afford to, if you have the choice at all, get your kids out of public schools. And the book Charter Schools and Their Enemies by Thomas Sowell, it really did, it illuminated so many of those problems to me that I could not even articulate. Um, first of all, it illuminated how deeply embedded um, the teachers' unions are into the Democratic Party. These teachers' unions are not about protecting children. They are about protecting bad teachers. And this school, uh, this um, book, Charter Schools and Their Enemies, has so many different anecdotes. Um, and he talks a lot about um, New York City, right? Because New York City is such a New York City is so big and so vast and so massive that all of these problems that are happening in the New York City educational system, you know, these can be sort of extrapolated um, to a lot of these different public school systems across the country. And so he talks about 
um, public school teachers that were involved in literal physical altercations with their students. Um, and they put them in what is called a rubber room where they don't, they just clock in and clock out and they go do nothing all day and they are still salaried. Taxpayers are still paying the money when they get into to physical altercations with students. Um, they talk about how much better charter schools perform than public schools. And what a lot of Democrats, what a lot of the left loves to say about why these public school systems are failing, they always try to make it pretend as if these public school systems do not have enough money. That is absolutely false. And what charter schools and their enemies breaks down is how these schools are funded to the tune of billions of dollars and still fail because of corruption, uh, because of mismanagement. And because of, you know, a lot of that money, you know, getting funneled into the teachers unions in case in point, um, the teachers unions take their dues and then they become a very, very powerful block to get Democrats to do their bidding. And what you're seeing right now, when you look at what happened in Virginia with Virginia um, going for um, with Virginia going Republican, right, um, just last month you will see a lot of parents are starting to open their eyes to exactly what is going on in these public schools. So this conversation that we're having as a country when it comes to critical race theory, um, when it comes to charter schools, when it comes to all of these different things, what it really all boils down to is just poor management of these public schools. And that's why I think that charter schools and their enemies by Thomas Sowell, I'm telling you guys, this is a brilliant, brilliant, very well-researched book. It is not very long. It is completely incredible. Um, so that I, I have to say that that is the best and, and sort of uh, most important books that I have read this year. Oh, this is a good question. Um, okay, so this is um, – and this is good. This is a little challenging. So <clears throat> Rhonda says, why are you being so mean about Democrat? Rob Smith, you know a Democratic president did stuff for you and your gay friends. Okay, so this is, when I get this, and I get this a lot, um, I get, well, Rob, you know, how can you be a conservative? How can you be a Republican? You know um, that, you know, Democrats were the ones that, that led the charge for don't ask, don't tell repeal, and Democrats were the ones that led the charge for gay marriage and all that other stuff. And I absolutely agree with that. That's absolutely right. It is an objective fact that Democrats um, were more in line with things that were going to help me as a gay person, um, it, at least, you know, we're going on 7, 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? So Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed um, 10 years ago, right? So that was uh, 2011 was the official repeal. So Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal um, happened 10 years ago. So that was the law that made it illegal for gays and lesbians to serve openly in the military. So that was 10 years ago. Um, marriage equality, gay marriage, became the law of the land in 2015. So that is six years ago. So my question to people who challenge me in that way is, because Democrats did some good things for me that time period, am I supposed to continue to vote for Democrats for the rest of my life when their policies and their worldview and their the way that they look at the country and the way that they see everything is completely opposite of the way in which I view the world. You know, thanks a lot for advocating for, for gay rights. By the way, there were Republicans that advocated for gay rights this entire time, maybe not as many, 
But if there were no Republicans advocating for gay rights, then none of this stuff would have passed in the first place. Don't ask, don't tell repeal wouldn't have passed. Um, marriage equality wouldn't have passed. So my question to these people is, am I just supposed to continue to vote for Democrats in perpetuity because of something that something great that they did for me um, five, seven, eight, 10, 12, 15 years ago? And that's the question that I asked just as a gay man. And the question that we have to ask a lot of communities nowadays in 2022 is, and I say this all the time when it comes to African-American voters, when it comes to Latino voters, what have these Democrats done for you lately? I know that they know how to say the right things. Um, I, I know how I know that they know how to appeal to your emotions. I know that they know how to do that. But honestly, what have Democrats done for African-Americans lately besides decimate these communities that are majority black that have been run top to bottom by Democrats for decades, like Philly, uh, like Detroit? Look at what's going on in New York City right now. Look at what's going on. Every major city across the country is basically one-party rule, and a lot of these cities are primarily African-American populated, and they continue to fail. And so my answer to this question is always this, Democrats. What have you done for me lately? And on that note, Problematics, I want to thank you so much for 100 episodes. This is absolutely incredible. I hope that um, this episode gave you a little bit more of an insight into the problematic worldview. If you're one of my new problematics, I hope you got something out of this. And look, I hope that you come back every Tuesday and Friday, download and subscribe to Rob Smith is Problematic, my problematics. Um, I appreciate you and I thank you so much. And um, I'll see you next episode. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow Problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at RobSmithOnline. Special thanks to our producer, Robert Borowski, and executive producers, Debbie Myers and Speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network.